What's up, Redemption? How you doing? John Hendricks here, as always, for a brand new episode of the Threshing Floor Podcast. And on this week's episode, we've got our sponsor, Mr. John Early himself from Covenant Games and a Redemption Elder with the game. We're going to be talking to him about... Guys, I, I mean, I'm going to be honest. This was the first podcast where we didn't have an outline, so... It's just a couple of bros hanging out, so hopefully you guys have fun with that. There is a lot of cool topics that we brought up. We talked a little bit about deck building, some things on the horizon for the game. Lots of cool conversations with John, so hopefully you enjoy it, and we'll get right into it. All right, guys, welcome into a brand new episode of the Threshing Floor Podcast. As promised last week, we do have sponsor of the podcast, Mr. John Early on. How you doing, John? I am doing fantastic, John. Thanks for having me back on. Always happy to be here with you. How how are things in your world? I think last time you were on the podcast was before Nationals, if I remember correctly. Uh, not that I've been super active with the podcast after Nationals. Apologies yeah, again. It doesn't take much for that, right? <laughs> but uh, so you took a new job and you have moved since. So so how's life treating you with all of those big changes? Uh, well, to give the viewers kind of an image of, of where I'm recording right now, I am in my downstairs uh, basement slash office area. I'm recording on my laptop. I don't have my monitor set up yet. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> I got like six boxes over here next to me. My son just came down to say hi to me. He's bouncing around. So yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a jumble right now, but we are, uh, we are moved. Um, that was successful. Um, all the stuff is here, best of our knowledge. We've got probably about 20 boxes left to go or so. Um, Covenant Games survived the move too. Um, so I mean, that's, that's good. Um, all that stuff's there. I, uh, I sent Rob an email um, and got some more product ordered. So we'll get restocked up on the website here shortly with, with that. Uh, obviously, in the process of moving, I didn't really think that it made much sense to uh, bring in inventory, um, you know, and then just move it, you know, two days later. So, but I'll have some more uh, product back in stock very soon on that. So, but yeah, um, so it's going good. Um, and the new jobs treat me well. So nothing to complain about there. Family's doing well. Uh, how about you? I uh, I heard you had a fun little uh, carpentry project going on the other day. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> never never let your wife know the football schedule to where if the team that you're pulling for is not playing on a specific day, because she decided that I had time to repair a fence that our dogs had been slowly like digging under, and then we'd fix that section. They dig under another section and it was just cause it's old wood and whatnot. So I got to replace a, like, I don't even remember how long, um, a large section of our privacy fence that separates our house and the neighbor's house or our yards. So, uh, until like eight forty five last night, I was, I was still working on that. Um, and I still got more to do. So yeah, I don't, I don't know where, I don't know where it was in the resume that I provided my wife when I applied for her hand in marriage that said, Hey, I'm a handyman. Let me do all of your handyman <laughs> needs. Um, 
But apparently she just assumes that because I'm a guy, I'm supposed to know how to do these things. And of course, because I'm so prideful, of course, I'm going to try it. It's not in the resume. That's actually in the marriage license um, for your marriage certificate. When you get that, Uh, Uh, you got to look under section four, subparagraph three, heading zero A one. And then it's bullet (laughs) number 17. All right. It's it's somewhere in there. It's in the very, very. Is it is it like on uh, the Santa Claus where you have to take the magnifying glass and read the fine print around the edge of the card? Yes, that's exactly where you can find it. And in fact, that's the exactly where they got the inspiration for that movie. <laughs> that's hilarious. So, yeah, but other than that, all all things with me have have kind of settled in a little bit, getting back into a uh, nice little groove here. I guess just getting ready for new stuff with work to pick up that I'm sure will make my life a little bit crazier down the road, but... We're just kind of winging it here in the middle somewhere in the fray. There you go. Well, that's all right. Uh, I, I hear we're winging it a little bit tonight on the episode, too. Yeah, just just a little bit. I believe this is the smallest outline I've ever had for the podcast. It says, main topic guest interview, blank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good news is we know each other pretty well, and we can come up with a bunch of just random stuff to talk about. So that's good. Yeah. I do also have the, the recent news section that we have come accustomed to here at the podcast. So I can run over that for you guys. Oh, yeah, out let's there. get into that. So I like that. Our buddy Jaden had his video come out last Thursday. Look at him being a model citizen, getting his stuff out on time and, you know, not missing any unplanned weeks. Must be nice. So he had a video come out, the game's best tiny offense question mark and i believe this is lackey grand prix five round three if i'm not mistaken but it's gameplay footage of him using a game with a tiny offense so if that tells you that i have not watched the video then that would be accurate i have not watched it yet and unfortunately i haven't watched it either which is a little disappointing because i would have liked to have had that debate on whether or not it is the the best tiny offense out there because I've got a couple ideas about things that could be good in a scaled down, slim down offense. Um, I'm, I'm pretty good at playing those actually. Yeah. Gives you a lot of room for a bunch of defense on the backside too. That's what I'm talking about. I like that D heavy lifestyle. Didn't Tyler just post a deck with a D heavy nonsense going on too? He did. And I thoroughly liked his video there. I, I watched that one a few days ago. And he was using the, whatever the dominant is from the uh, Israel's Deliverance starter deck that was debuted at Nationals, but obviously isn't the official release. So it's technically not a legal card, but he was using the dominance there to help uh, make the defense even more robust. Had several ways to add to battle after they would potentially think that they've won the battle. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, that seems rock solid. And I think that's, you know, one direction that you can take with uh, the small offense, too, is using uh, dominance. And, you know, we just saw the, uh, the the Noah trick shenanigans with, you know, recurring resurrection and stuff like that. I think that is, you know, an option that can really work well for a small offense that wants to pack, you know, a lot of power into a small space. Um, obviously, I think disciples can be pretty good in a small format. 
Um, I think cross rescues um, are definitely a possibility. I think there's a really strong, you know, three card cross rescue that can almost guarantee. The only trick with that is that cross may not be as like reliable as players think it is. Like a lot of players are going really fast, right? And decking out, but do they actually play with zero cards in their deck long enough for you to get a cross rescue through is, right. is the real trekking question there. Because it, there's so many shuffle back into your deck. So you can always have a, basically a fake deck, you know, a card that you're not really using for anything except for to keep putting in your deck. Right, exactly. I think about cards like um, Emmaus Road and Wages of Sin. You know, those are the two, you know, easy, obvious ones. But there's more than that. There's, you know, three or four or five different cards that you could play that could do that for you. So it's just kind of kind of interesting there. Um, so I think if you're going to go with the cross route, you need to include some kind of small mill package that you can get to easily um, to help with um, making sure that their deck is actually truly empty. Yep. So throw your Pharaoh's daughter in there and put some cards in reserve and figure it out, fellas. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. In addition to that video being on the to watch list being added, there's also an unboxing video of a GOC super pack box from our friend Rob M in New York. And that's on his channel, Rob M studios. And you can go and watch that. And I don't know who all checked in, but he had some commentary from people through discord so that there's some conversation while he's opening the box. So if you want to see what the spread looks like in a super pack box for the first time, you can go and check that video out. Speaking of, of boxes, we are still planning to, I mean, I assume it's not on this, on this, bare bones outline here but we are still picking a winner for the giveaway box correct yeah you want to do that right now right in the middle of the news section i mean one it came up organically what? i guess why not yeah let's hit that you got your drum roll button there? i do have a drum roll button yeah hit that drum roll button if i hit the right button oh, oh. All right, and the winner of the box for pre-registration is our friend, and I think he's a friend of the podcast. Maybe he's not. I don't know. If he's I not, he that. should be. If he's not, he should be. Brian Jones. Oh. You know, I t congratulations, Brian, first and foremost, for winning that box for being pre-registered for Nationals, but... I actually tried to get Brian on when he first popped back up because, you know, he popped back up a couple of months before Nationals. And as soon as he did, I was like, man, every time I hear people talk about Booster Draft, I hear people talk about that crazy run he had where he just got all these dominants in Booster Draft, you know, like Second Coming and Chariot of Fire in the same Booster Draft. Not to mention he had like Samuel and multiple copies of Samuel's Edict and an auto. Like he was playing a constructed deck. In limited, it's insane. Yeah. And that year was crazy. I I told him I was I had been looking for someone to come on and do an episode about booster draft and like strategies involved with it and whatnot. And he ended up turning me down, which ended up letting me have Josh on when we did the episode a while back about booster draft strategies and whatnot. But he said that he felt like his was more just kind of lucky. He got lucky. And I'm like, dude, luck is like 
nine-tenths of the law here. <laughs> Luck in your packs and what you open. I mean, that's a that's a very valid point that in booster draft and limited categories like that where you're sub, like part of your power level comes from what you open in those packs. Luck's a big part of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not willing to go nine-tenths. I think if you look back over the history of the game, you can see there are certain players that have a high level of skill. You see repeated names in limited categories frequently. Um, and I think that speaks to there being some element of skill that does outweigh or equally weigh perhaps that luck factor. I'm not saying that there's not a luck factor. There definitely oh, is. Yeah. Um, more, more so in sealed than in booster. In booster, the cards that you draft, the order that you take them in, your ability to read the table and know what other players are taking based upon what you are and aren't seeing as the packs go around, that is 100% a skill set. And then there's obviously the skill playing in-game. There's also the ability to just know the card pool, right? That's a skill in constructed categories where you have to know what possible cards your opponents could have. That is also a skill in limited. If I am playing a limited format and I open, I say it's an LOC super draft, I know what cards are in LOC or I should. And so then I know, hey, I can attack aggressively here because he doesn't have a scattered. He doesn't have so-and-so. He doesn't have these cards, you know. I can attack aggressively because of that. I can do these things. Or, hey, I need to watch out for this one specific card from this set because it's going to be a problem if I attack in this manner. So knowing the card pool is a huge skill set in Constructed, but it also does translate to the limited formats as well. Okay, so here's here's the issue with you taking away the impact of it being luck. Obviously, I know that nine-tenths is very exaggerated, but if we start talking about how it's skill-based, then I can't blame luck for why I suck at it. <laughs> well, no, you can't. We know that. <laughs> we know that you just rode Jeremy's coattails to that team's victory this year. You know what? I had the top deck of the century, not Jeremy. It doesn't matter that he put the cards in the deck. I drew them. Hey, you know that draw order is an element of luck, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <sighs> I'm going to have to find myself a, a, a way to, a skill based way to prove my merit now. <sighs> John, I think we all know that you are a up and coming player with a lot of skill and talent. I mean, you had a, a pretty good showing in type one the day before with a deck that. Uh, not many people expected to do well that day. So, I mean, I think uh, give it a couple of years and maybe Jeremy will be riding your coattails. Dude, the other milk is a deck. And I'm telling you, I would have won so many more games. <laughs> you got soul droughted hard. I soul droughted myself, day. though, because I just didn't add any. What a, Another thing was last minute, I realized that I didn't have a legal copy of Hopper with me. So I ran and, into and that. And you couldn't find one? It, there, it, there was nobody in all your time doing the podcast before Nationals. All the friends you've made, there was nobody you could just be like, bro, No, I was I need the, a hopper. The thing was I was just up so late and I, at that point because I told you that I was at one point not even considering playing. And so throwing the deck together like the night before with all the big changes, I, I think it did work well because, I mean, I played two combo decks and I won both of those games. So, hey, that's a thing. And that's that was the big thing about the way I was building it was I was just trying to counter hard for first turn hand manipulation and drawing, you know, half their deck. 
and it did that. It got the herdsman after a Matthew every time to where then I was faced with the, the decision to, did my herdsman let me flip the momentum enough, or do I need to now use the three nails that I drew off the herdsman on my sure. turn to reset the game? So it was an evaluation process at that, but I got herdsman on big draws from people every every time it was an opportunity. I had like four different ways to herdsman. That's awesome. I mean, I think that's a great way to do it. And I think that play is super relevant this year too. Yeah. I really haven't haven't built the most competitive decks yet. I've been, you know, mostly playing in the realm of contender decks with mine and Brad's playgroup that we've started. Nice. So that's that's kind of where most of my playing at the moment is at. But speaking of deck building, someone that I'm guessing this is probably his first video, but if you have seen Card Game Fanatic on Discord, he is Mega Man Len Prime on YouTube, and he actually did his first deck profile video, which I'm a big fan of deck profile videos, but I'm an even bigger fan of them with physical cards in the video. I don't know why. I just I just like the physical cards versus the lackey stuff. I do like lackey for the fact that it's easy to show it like going through a goldfish or whatnot, but I also really like it with physical cards as well. Oh, for sure. I'll take physical cards every day of the week. Yeah. But he, he did a deck profile for a deck he's calling silent night and it's using demons and angels. Mostly the bulk of the deck comes from GOC phase two and he's using chamber of angels, which is one of his favorite cards in that deck. So I forgot to give him a shout out on last week's podcast. So I said I would show him some love this week. So make sure you go and check out that profile video if you have not. And then you can actually see the deck in action against Rob M on Rob M's channel. He had a video where he played against him a couple of weeks ago. So if you want to see the deck in action. And then moving on to some tournament updates for um, some unofficial tournaments that are happening. We have the Mr. Classic that is going to be coming up early next year. And just go ahead, since you're on the podcast for the people, John, do you plan on winning that thing? I plan on winning every game, every tournament that I sit down and shuffle up at. That's just who I am. I mean, it's in my nature as a competitive individual, competitive player. I'm not scared of anybody. I'm not intimidated by anybody. I believe very strongly in my skill set, and I intend to win every game. Like, that's just how it is. And obviously, I don't win every game, and that's fine, too. Like, I'm not, uh, not going to get brokenhearted about it, but, yeah, I intend to win that thing. Nice. So, well, and quite frankly, I heard a rumor that the invitational part of it, the eight man tournament that we're talking about, um, I heard a rumor that it's not going to be classic format, uh, but it's actually going to be scrolls only. Yes, I heard that same rumor. And I'm not going to lie, I know how to play scrolls only. Like, that is my jam. I am old school enough and legit enough that, like, scrolls only. Like, I'm thinking about flying out to New York in November to just get a little tune-up in because scrolls only is where it's at. And a lot of these other players, no offense, but, like, I look at the list of guys and I don't know if some of these more modern players can jam with me in scrolls only because, unfortunately, the other rumor that I heard was that my good friend Gabe is uh, thinking about not participating in this. 
So, I mean, and I know Josiah, Josiah could jam with me, but I think he's not participating either. Um, haven't heard about Justin. Justin could jam. Um, but, uh, you know, like the, the national, the national winner, Jaden, um, he, he could jam, but he's kind of more of that modern player, you know, obviously super skilled, but scrolls only, I don't know, man. Scrolls only does throw a, a different element. And I think it's pretty cool because now you'll see more classic style decks versus whatever the latest combo or, or, you know, territory class card that's being exported like numerous just throwing it into the classic card pool, uh, trying to call it a classic oh, yeah, deck. So I think you get around that with doing scrolls only, and it's going to uh, then make it about who who takes these old-style cards that I look at and I have, like, no value placed on them. I'm like, yeah, give me a couple of those. You know, when I first started out, I'll have, you know, a handful in each deck. But for the vast majority of them, I don't care for them because I don't have any pull to them, like nostalgic pull. I didn't play them when they were the cards that the game was built around. So now you go back and now to be able to have a chance to see that in action when it comes down to it at Mr. Classic, that's going to be fun. Well, and let's be honest, like, you know, we fired a few side events at nationals and, you know, some people prepared for it and some didn't, but like classic decks in the classic format, quote unquote, are really more like rotation decks with old falling away tossed in and, Maybe a couple other cards, but like there's still ninety, yeah, as a, I mean, there's still ninety percent, ninety five percent even um, rotation cards. You know, new card face stuff. It's just the completely op, broken, non banned uh, scr- scroll cards that make it in, like one away as a, you know, maybe Haven's plot, uh, but even Haven's plot these days is kind of overshadowed by other cards too. So like it's. It's just tough, you know, but scrolls only you'll see some really fun, cool, unique decks. If it's scrolls only, that's going to be fun. Can't wait for that. Um, and then you reference scroll, uh, around the block, which is what you mentioned in November in New York, that's going to be happening on November 5th at hope Christian fellowship church in Rochester, New York, going to be hosted by Rob. And he's already got the schedule out. I was not prepared enough to actually have the schedule here to rattle it off. But there is a schedule plan. There's going to be lunch on site available for purchase so that you show up, you can play all day and not have to leave the event until it's over. Um, Almost kind of like a Nationals Day type feel is how it's set up. And so I'm sure everyone that's traveling to that is going to have fun. If New York was any closer... I would probably go just for the hangout part of it. Not that I would I would expect to be super competitive with, with all these old cards that I don't know anything about, but probably to my wife's uh, joy, New York is too far away for me to travel to. That's unfortunate, John. I mean, it's only, what, a 27-hour car ride for you? Yeah. From, from down in the boonies? Yeah, <laughs> down in the boonies, yeah. 20, 27, that's not bad. I mean, you just split it up across, you know, two days. Yeah, and exactly. you're completely tired when you get there and you got to sleep the first day. And then you're driving back. You just need to grab Jeremy and, you know, somebody else. I don't know who else down there. Grab Jeremy, grab Tyler, and just carpool. It's fine. Man, all right. You hear that, Jeremy? You hear that, Brad? All right, Brad. 
You hear that, Tyler? Take Brad too. It's fine. Take all four. Brad is. Brad is on lockdown. Brad's on lockdown. He can't. He can't leave the. He can't leave the city. Can't leave the city. They got. They got him on a tight radius with that ankle bracelet. So. We also have the Lackey Grand Prix and the Zoom Discord Invitational, and those are ongoing, so make sure you're getting your games in for that if you are signed up for that. And uh, I guess we could ask you for an update without you know sharing too much information because I don't know how close we're getting to having a top four. Are you guys doing top cut for this Lackey Grand Prix? Uh, yeah, so we're cutting top four, um, and we are in the final round of Swiss right now. And I know that I made top four because I actually beat Jeremy uh, just a couple of days ago. Um, so I went two and one in Swiss, three and one in Swiss, something like that. Yeah, I went three and nice. one in Swiss. Um, and so I made top cut with nine points. I think I'll be the three seed, either two or three. I don't know. It depends on how... Uh, Jaden and Jonathan Gomez's game goes. Uh, but I believe that both Jonathan and Jaden are going to cut. Um, I cut. And then I think that the fourth spot is also maybe determined. So I think all four are determined if you like go and actually like backtrack and figure out all the standings and stuff. Cause it's all public information, right? It's all reported in the discord channel. So I think all the cut spots are filled, um, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, so yeah, so Top Cut should start uh, next week. Actually, I'm surprised. I think deadline for reporting games was to tonight, Monday night. Um, so we should have something, you know, by the time this episode rolls out with the with the top four. So cool. I can tell you a little bit about my experience in that tournament because honestly, it's early in the season, and I mean, I'm just I'm to the point where I don't need to hide stuff. I'm just being like super open. Like like Tyler kind of kickstarted it, and he's been super open with this stuff. Like I don't care about people knowing what I'm playing. I just know it's whatever. Okay. Well, we'll definitely take an update if you want to, to share that. So yeah, so I'm playing a deck that I'm calling numerous nativity. Um, and it is a numerous based deck that seeks to just kind of combo out and go off for a huge draw, um, early on and then play a bunch of prison type effects and lock out the opponents from there. So I've played, I played three games with it, and I had one opponent that uh, withdrew against me because they just couldn't make timing work and things. I think they were sick a couple days during the week we were supposed to play. Um, so I played uh, Chad, see the tree, in round one. Um, and Chad knew what I was playing because um, I've been very like open with it. And uh, I lost to Chad 5-4. Chad was playing a deck that he's now posted on Land of Redemption, um, the Salty variant. Um and he uh, had just the exact right opening hand to get to where he needed to. He had a three woes, and then he had a crowd's choice. Um, and if he'd only had one of those, I think I still could have comboed out and locked him down. Uh, but the fact that he had both uh, was one piece too many for me to fight through. I still negated his salty um, and comboed out. I just didn't get, I didn't get to combo out quite as hard as I normally do. And so I didn't get all the various pieces. Um, so then I played against uh, Mitch um, Stewart, who is Mitch Rob Stew. He's really easy to, to know who he is. I like it when people use their names and their uh, profile tags because then I can just easily figure it out. Um, 
and he was playing a defensive heavy uh, deck, which I think is super cool. Um, he was playing a gray-black variant um, with a Disciples, small Disciples offense. So we picked up a soul on turn one with Peter against me, um, going first. He went first. And then when I went second, I drew my entire deck and set up a bunch of things. And then one of the cool things with this new sensitivity variant that I'll get into a little bit later exactly what cards and what I'm doing there um, is that I can use Emmaus Road every turn once I'm decked out. It gets shuffled back into the deck. Um, I grab a star card from reserve. It gets shuffled back in. And then on the next turn, I draw it, and I get to use the star to look at my opponent's hand. So it's kind of like old school Urim and Thummim flipping over every single turn with a priest, and you just always know exactly what cards your opponent has in their hand and how you need to attack. So it makes it fairly easy to navigate through. Um, and then with all the various pieces and effects that are stopping the opponent from getting back in the game, um, usually you can navigate that. And yeah, Mitch just didn't pick up the right pieces that he needed to slow me down, and I won 5-1 in that game. So then I played Jeremy, and Jeremy also brought a defensive heavy deck to the table, which I just think is super cool. Um, people are talking so much about you know last year's meta and how, hey, this year's meta is still a bunch of numerous decks, and players seeking to go off, which that is a deck, like I'm playing it, it's a thing, right? Um, but there are options, and so I ran up against Jeremy playing defensive heavy, and Jeremy gave me quite a game. Um, he went first and rescued a soul, because I didn't have any defense in my hand, because I'm not playing very much defense in the deck. And then he also had Son of God to quickly go up 2-0, uh, grabbing my distress soul. And then, so I went second again, and then I went and I comboed out and set up all my effects and then started rescuing souls. But uh, Jeremy was in a nativity-type offense, um, and he drew his expatriator, and Jeremy managed to pick up a couple more souls off of me by using my own offense against me, which is a huge weakness of the deck, is that I can't actually like block my own offense. I'm just counting on my opponents like not having anything. Um, and so it was a 5-4 game. It was super close. Um, and honestly, if Jeremy draws... So there was one attack where he attacked with um, Expatriator to Gabriel to my John the Forerunner, I think, maybe, something like that. I mean, I blocked and used um, one of the orange cards that I can't come up with this name off the top of my head right now because I'm a bad player and bad players are bad and all that good stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, the orange one that underdecks a card and itself if you have a placed orange card in play. Um, driven by Spirits. So Driven by Spirits, take an orange card from reserve or deck if you control a placed orange card. F played in battle, you may underdeck a character and this card. So I used Driven by Spirits to underdeck my Gabriel um, and then lost the battle by numbers. But then I kept Gabriel in my hand to stop that from happening. Um, but he picked up a couple souls doing that before I was able to, you know, figure out how to get around it, right? Um, and if he draws his Gabriel, I probably lose that game. Or if he draws his Beelzebub on defense and can then ban to my defense, I probably lose that game. He's probably able at that point to get some numbers and some other things uh, where it'd be much harder for me to navigate through 
what he had going on. So really, he was, you know, a draw, a card or two away from beating me with the defensive heavy deck, which I just think is super cool. Um, so like people, you know, want to talk about the metagame and how it's broken and all this stuff, which I don't necessarily disagree with. And I think, you know, some some changes are potentially needed. And there's definitely things with the consistency that decks can get that are problematic. I'm not arguing that at all. Like numerous is is busted um just because of the sheer addition of star cards that have come out since it was printed you know it was printed two sets ago and the first set was stars and like there weren't very many and then we had loc and a few more got added but people weren't really going wild with it yet and then we added goc and it's really all of the defensive stars in goc where you can have you know 20 30 35 star cards in your deck um, that really just make it super consistent. Um, so, so yeah, numerous is probably a problem that we need to look at and address somehow. I'm not ready to say that Star of Bethlehem is yet, uh, but it is definitely a really good, a really good piece. Um, so, but I think it's really interesting that I faced three defensive heavy decks and lost not defensive heavy chance isn't defensive heavy necessarily but a counter deck i lost to a counter deck and i almost lost to a true defensive heavy deck i think that's super cool yeah let me ask you people talk about the meta and how it's kind of broken i mean i'll I'll just go ahead and say that i think there's some things that within the rules you're allowed to do that maybe you shouldn't be able to do to the extent but that's also been shaped negatively probably uh, if we're going to be honest by playing locally with Jeremy the last two years while he's been on the big combo deck and been just tearing through the tournament season up to nationals. But do you think that kind of a shift in the meta and making it more balanced will come with there there being some players that just – so defensive heavy is something that hasn't been played recently and now there's more resources to make it viable, quote-unquote uh, – the word viable in there because you have alternate rescue options, but you also have a lot of strong defenses that have come out. Do you think a few players doing that to kind of balance out speed deck? Now there's defensive heavy that'll create that like mid range of that. Do you think just a shift in players being willing to play that style will help shift the meta? Oh, 100%. I think it will. And I think that's kind of a phenomenon that I've observed over the past couple of years is as a community, we have become, um, you know, obviously we've gotten smaller over the past, you know, decade. And then as a community, we've gotten so many more tools for sharing information and collaboration, and we're just more connected than we used to be. And um, there's a lot of just group think that happens and goes on with that. And that occurs in every card game. Don't get me wrong. Like that's a thing that that does happen everywhere. Um, but in Redemption, it definitely feels very pronounced where, um, a group of players in a discord channel will all get together and think tank and come up with and agree on something. And then that just becomes, you know, truth. It's their perception, but it just becomes, you know, factual because they think it is. And no one's willing to deviate from that as, you know, kind of like an echo chamber almost. And I'm not saying that they're not right from time to time, but I am saying that in the old days, um, before we had all the, you know, interconnection and connectivity. And when the community was just a little bit bigger, um, players didn't necessarily gravitate around one deck or one concept like that. I think about decks like back in, you know, 2010, 2011, when I was playing a deck called the deck, um, 
And all it was was, you know, a deck that seek to abuse uh, the interaction between uh, Jacob, Simeon, Angel Under the Oak, and Moses, um, where Moses didn't negate the ban to Angel Under the Oak um, because Angel Under the Oak was CBN and the exchange happened. And so you got Jacob and Moses in battle at the same time, which was a very strong rescue weapon. I know I say things like that now, and everyone's like, what do you mean Jacob and Moses in the same battle is a strong rescue? Uh, guys, it was like the best rescue back then. And like that was a deck and there were four or five different variants on that deck and players played that, but it was, you know, a 70 person national tournament and there were only five copies of that deck. Whereas you look at, you know, last year we had, you know, 70, 56, 70, something like that. I don't know. I, I think it's 58. I don't have the number in front of me. 58 players at nationals and 10 of them were playing, you know, disciples, widow variants. So it's just the percentage of the field that's playing the quote unquote best deck has gone up as people, you know, have gotten more connected and the information is more freely out there. I'm not saying that doesn't mean that there's a problem. I'm just saying that the problem is magnified because players are less willing to experiment and play different things and because there's just less players and we have more information now. Yeah, I definitely see that. Honestly, last year, it, it felt like it started with me talk about the uh, transfer of information or, you know, everybody just sharing information openly to where when I sat down with my box of cards, very well organized, start grabbing out heroes. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to build just a unique deck that's different than what I'm seeing everyone else do. But then the thought that I kept having is, is this better than the like five to six decks that everybody is sharing and that are commonly being played right now? And I just felt like I kept coming up with no as the answer. So I was just like, all right, I feel like I've got to play one of those decks. Right. And that's a very fair thought to have. I'm not arguing that at all. Um, and like I said, I, I'm not saying that because it was a different way in the past means that we're wrong today in the future. I do think that there are just a few innovators and then a lot of followers. Um, we don't have as many deck innovators as you know other games do. Um, and yeah, there is something to be said for the vibrancy of the metagame and, and what things can do. Um, but, uh, I think that we have fewer innovators than we do players that just kind of follow those as a percentage, so to speak. Um, you know, I think about players like Jaden, he's an innovator. Um, Josh, uh, is always pretty good at innovating and coming up with things. Um, Josh Kinnett, um, is always pretty good at those types of things. Um, Josh, uh, Potras does come up with some unique things but he is also one of those that tends to define what he thinks the metagame is and a lot of people follow what he thinks and says and follow his you know schools of thought on deck building and how you should build around things i think he is one of the first to truly recognize the value of uh consistency and how you can get to you know prison type effects and and you go off and stop the opponent from doing so i think he's one of the first to truly recognize that obviously he won a nationals with you know the theory of countering the best deck out there. So I think he's, you know, an innovator as well, but you know, I don't think there's, you know, 12 different people that are all coming up with super unique deck ideas that people are following necessarily. Man, we've had a lot of really cool conversation in the middle of the recent news section. People I are going to get, would. I don't know what you're worried about. People are going to get spoiled about the recent news. They're going to be like, all right, where's the fire at? And I'm like, dog, this is all I got. <laughs> I got bullet points. <laughs> Bring the fire. You know what my plan was for this podcast when you threw me this outline with nothing on it? What's that? I was going to be like, I was just going to let you get through your news, 
And then I was going to be like, all right, and now we're going to talk fantasy football. It's the threshing floor fantasy football episode. And we were just going to talk football all night because I know that in about three minutes here, you're going to want to stop this whole podcasting and watch your 49ers play. But I got news for you, buddy. We still got another half hour of news to go through. Yeah, but you you know that Monday night football starts at 7.15 and the Rams kicked a field goal in their opening drive. Well, no, I don't know that because I'm doing the right thing. I am fully <laughs> focused on you and this podcast. I don't have the game up anywhere. I don't have it on my phone next I'm, to me. I'm 80% dedicated to the podcast right now. <laughs> I only have the one screen because my desk isn't set up yet. I'm talking on an old like uh, headset. I don't have my you know nice Yeti microphone set up. Like this is all I'm super like parsed down right now. So yeah, no, I've completely forgot that the game had already started. You're telling me your Niners are losing already? Oof, man, Jimmy Garoppolo, dude. Like <laughs> I have no hope. <laughs> my hope has been soured. Hey, man, just. It might. Do you got another rookie on your team? Who's who's your third string quarterback? Our third string quarterback is Mister. What is irrelevant? I think. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was the very last pick of the draft this year. Well, but he's a he's a rookie though, yeah. right? So play but, that so guy. All you need to do, yeah, you just need to hope that Jimmy G gets injured, knocked out with a concussion, all the Brian Hoyer, bring in your rookie. And I mean, I'm sorry. I'm a huge Packers fan, and Bailey Zappi almost beat us. Like, what? The third-string rookie quarterback? What is this? Man, I tell you what. I feel like I'm living I'm living a vicious circle of, like, the 49ers having a really good team everywhere except for quarterback, which seems to be the problem or seems to have been the problem for, like, the last uh, decade when they've had a good team. When they've been halfway decent, just put a good quarterback on the team. I mean, imagine how many championships would have won if we had Aaron Rodgers instead of you guys wasting him. Uh, like 12. Right. I mean, he, he would have more rings than Brady on the Niners. And that's just truth. And that's, I mean, I am a Packers fan, die hard, but it sickens me when I think about the fact that we were blessed with just the dream and quarterback consistency. I mean, you see it. If you watch football, you see the graphics pop up of, Hey, Cleveland's had 29 starting quarterbacks since Aaron Rodgers took over for the Packers, you know, things like that. And we had Brett Favre for 20 years before that. And we've had 30 plus years of all pro MVP caliber quarterback play. And we have two rings to show for it. Oh, sickens me to be able to go back to 2005 and give you guys Alex Smith man it's crazy how one bad decision can can just have that ripple effect yep bizarro world so I guess I would like to uh on back on the recent news here to make sure that we give a reminder for the plus one initiative like I mentioned me and Brad are trying our hand at establishing a local play group hopefully you guys are using this time in the game, knowing that new starter decks are coming out. There's a new set that, you know, it's all about the gospel of Christ and, and his birth and ministry and, you know, death and resurrection. That's a super cool set to introduce someone if, like, you're you're at church and you want to introduce someone to the game. Boom. This is really cool and relevant. And the power level of that being that, you know, they could build a GOC-only deck that's should be competitive otherwise, at least competitive. 
but I think the game's just set up right now to introduce new players to it. So make sure you're doing that. And if so, you submit those pictures to get entered into the plus one initiative. We do have one person that is kind of running away with that right now. So if you want to catch up, you gotta, you gotta get in there. Oh man. I tell you what, I haven't had the chance to be on the podcast. Obviously we said, you know, since before nationals, but uh, this plus one initiative of yours, I just think this is the coolest thing um, out there. And I'm, I'm super proud of you for, for coming up with this with Tyler and just kind of pushing it and promoting it and, and making it a thing. Um, Cause I think it's just spectacular. And I think it's kind of the future of where the game needs to be as a, you know, as a tool, both for, you know, evangelicism as well as just, uh, you know, community building. I just think it's, it's phenomenal. Um, and obviously, you know, I think, I don't know, I'm not gonna lie to you. I've been super busy. I'm like two, maybe three podcast episodes behind, uh, even with you taking a two week break in there. Um, so I don't know what all you said about, you know, uh, prizes and things like that, but Hey, we shouldn't really need to do it for prizes, right? We should do it because it's cool and the right thing to do. And we all want more players to play with and why not go get them yourselves. But, um, I'm still working on those. Um, like I said, moved and all that stuff. So, uh, me and Tyler are coming up with, uh, with a plan for exactly what those will be. And that should hopefully get revealed soon here for everybody, as far as what, uh, what cool perks you can uh, you can earn and win for participating in it. Yeah. You shouldn't have to be rewarded, but it's also nice to be rewarded. So that's that's something that's going to, you know, be fun to kind of acknowledge and recognize players that are driving, trying to promote and grow the game. Because, like, the lifeblood of the game into the future is going to be new players coming in and, you know, not just being part of the community, but like latching on and actually getting dedicated to the game as a hobby and the community as, you know, just part of their, I, I don't know what you, what you call it. Uh, the community is kind of like your dysfunctional family from a distance that maybe you see once a year at nationals. And it's like that reunion thing that you, you mentioned. Are that crazy uncle that everybody tells me to avoid. No. Oh, sorry. That's Roy. I can't, I can't be the uncle. I can I can be the crazy anything else, just not the uncle because the uncle has some some weird connotations down here in the <laughs> south. I'm just saying. <laughs> you forget I'm in Alabama. I'm in the woods as you said. <laughs> the boonies, you're out in the boonies. Yes. So, weird uncle is not the vibe that I I need on my life right now. All right, you you're you're like the weird stepson-in-law. How's that? Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> but I also saw on the spoiler channel, um, and maybe we can we can, you know, try to crank out some information from you, but Chris no, shared I'm like, a I'm like a vault, baby. Lockdown. Chris shared a picture of some shavings or, or I, I say shavings, but there were the edge of cards so that you could see the colored borders. And then there was a lost soul that was covered up by a meek lost soul. And obviously the new the the lost soul that was covered up has the artist listed and also has the set icon for the newest set. So it looks like playtesting might be getting underway. So can you confirm or deny that? I can neither confirm nor deny the existence or ongoing nature of any playtesting activities. Okay. But yes, we totally started playtesting. Nice. So um, we have been working on the next set um, 
to come out uh, for a little bit now. Um, we were in the preliminary stage, which was, hey, we have a text document and some graphics and we're working on just kind of doing an initial first pass through the list and, hey, what things on this are obviously either broken or mechanically not super sound and maybe we shouldn't do that. And, uh, you know, what, what other things are concern areas that we need to immediately, you know, address before we spend too much time getting crazy on them. So that's, you know, usually a pretty long process of, Hey, what, uh, what items do we want to knock out just easily before we even, you know, put the cards in decks and things like that. Kind of the, the philosophical aspect of, of card test and card design. Um, so that phase has mostly wrapped up and now we are in kind of phase two, which is the bulk of play testing time, which is, Hey, let's get these cards into decks. Let's see the interactions. Let's see how they play against each other. Um, let's get some real world data in these. So we've got that. Um, Chris and Tyler, um, have identified a couple issues already um, with some in-person play and stuff like that. And so they're going back to the drawing board a little bit. Um, so, so Chris cut out all his cards um, and then immediately realized that we need to change like a bunch of them. So I haven't cut out any cards yet myself personally. Um, I'll wait until we get some updated graphics with some things we just recognized right off the bat that weren't going to work. Um, but then, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll definitely be doing some play testing there. So um, got that sweet Lost Soul preview. I can't believe you haven't given us, you know, the art for that card yet. Kind of disappointed in you, if I'm being honest. For which card? The card, the Lost Soul. Oh well, I told you. I, I've I've just I've been busy with the fine print on the marriage license. She's been keeping me busy, man, with the the honeydew gotcha. list. Gotcha. But that old honeydew. List. Also, I would like to interrupt this podcast to let you know that the 49ers just had a 40 yard touchdown run and now are leading Ooh. the Rams seven to three. There you go. Getting some live day later updates. This is going to be pretty fun for people to listen to. They're going to be like, what are you talking about? They're going to, they're going to hear the first football reference and just turn this joker off and be like, nah, this isn't the podcast for me. Uh Oh man. Um, I am. So I said I was a vault, but I'm going to let some things out of the bag here tonight. Oh so, man. He's in his bag, fellas. We're going to the bag. Not only have we started play testing on the next set, we are deep into development of a top secret special project. Ooh, ooh I know. Is, I know. And that know. is all the more I can say on that. But we are deep into development on it. I think I know what that is, but obviously I can't share. Yes, but no, I'm I, not saying nothing. I can't. I can't share it. You can't share. I can't share my my Do thought. Do you and know assumption. what it is? Have your bros, Chris and Tyler, told you what it is? <sighs> oh man, I'm gonna have to revoke their elder cards. I I wouldn't say that they told me what it is. More so that I have just gathered the clues that they have laid since. Nationals. No, no, no! Don't. Don't don't lie to the community, John. You hacked Chris's computer. Yeah, but you know who helped me hack it? Brian Jones. Oh, there you go. Got some Jonesy action in there. Yep. Jones is involved in, in the hacking conspiracy. I will say that if we are talking about the same said special project, I'm super stoked for it. I think it's going to be when the community hears about it. It's going to be like their favorite thing ever. I think it is 
quite possibly one of the coolest things that we have done to this point. And ladies and gentlemen, this is a person that has been involved in the game how many years? I lost count. Uh, 1998. There you go. So that would be 24 years. (laughs) Four. The game is 20, what, seven years old? 26? Yeah, 96. So, I mean, you've almost been there from the start. Almost, yeah, not, not quite, um, but uh, I'm, I'm 32 years old, so I mean that, that'll tell you that Redemption has been a part of my life for like the majority of my life. Um, you know, I've been a part of Redemption for 24 years. I mean, that's, heck, that's longer than some of you guys have been alive. I wish, I wish that were true for me, but I'm, I'm getting up there. I'm a whole like 33 years old now. And I yeah, feel it. Didn't, didn't we talk about this? I bet you do after repairing a fence. Oh my, yeah. I can't imagine. No thanks. <laughs> the day after my back has uh, let me know that I am over the 30 mark. <laughs> uh, I didn't think, everybody told me that it happened, but until I turned 30, like I didn't think that was a real thing. Like When I was 28, 20, I'm like, yeah, I feel amazing. I'm going to go run a marathon. Let's go. And now I'm 32 and I'm like, nah, dog, I'm going to sit on the couch and watch the show. I, I ain't got no energy for you. Yeah. And another thing that I thought was not true, um, that I was just like, that's, that's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to be that guy. But yes, you will wake up in the middle of the night with, you know, your shrinking bladder issue. And that will fully remind you when it's 4 a.m. and you have just woken up and then you can't get back to sleep. You're just laying there tossing and turning. Yes, you're old. Oh, is that real life? That hasn't happened to me yet. I'm not going to lie to you. That hasn't happened to me. Is it coming? It's coming. Oh, man. <laughs> it's really not that bad because you'll feel really productive because you'll get up and do something that like you wouldn't do at any other point in the day. You're like, okay, so I can't go back to sleep. It's not time for work yet. Let me work on this. But then what will happen is you'll fall asleep on the couch and then you'll wake up late for work because you turned your alarms off. So... Just, well, you know what the cool it's fire, you know what, so be careful playing with it. You know what the cool news is? And the reason why I'm three episodes behind on the podcast, my commute now is one minute. That's right, everybody. I'm so dedicated to my job that I found a house that is literally right behind my store. It is a five minute walk and a one minute drive. So I don't have time to listen to the podcast. Like normally I had a 25 minute commute at my last location. And I would listen to the podcast, you know, going in, coming home, all that stuff. And now if I did that, it would take me like a month to listen to an episode because I get one minute each way. Well, just just tell the truth. The rising gas prices forced you to do that so that you could keep your truck. Oh, you have no idea. (laughs) Well, so the truth about the truck is I can't keep the truck because we're going to have baby number three here in December. So the truck's going. Man, that that baby number three seems to be going around. Yeah, baby number three. So yeah, my wife is uh, pregnant with uh, with a little girl. Uh, we know that, and the due date is uh, I think it's Christmas Day. I'll have to get confirmation on that, but I think the due date is in fact Christmas Day. So we're gonna have a little little extra Christmas gift this year. Um, well, definitely so congratulations. 
thank you appreciate that but unfortunately my my dream vehicle the truck um i'm gonna have to get traded in for the old minivan oh man look but if you get a minivan maybe you can go to nationals and put all the plaques and and the the mr classic belt on it like we did to chris's oh yeah and then you can add some swag to it add some swag I could get it in Redemption Red and have somebody put the sword on the side of it. Do you think that'll impact its resale value? I think that that would actually drive the price up. I'm pretty sure Roy would give you three times the value for that van at that point. <laughs> yeah, but see, it's a pretty limited like customer base there. Like, I get one sale out of it to Roy, and then that's that's it. <laughs> I mean, you might be able to, you might be able to, no, I don't, I, I just couldn't see Rob's not that outgoing to where he wants no, to, no. he wants to brag about his game. So yeah, I think you're just limited to Roy, maybe Chris, maybe Chris. Oh yeah. Maybe Chris, but like, here's the problem. Like now that we've talked about it, Chris could just like go get his van wrapped tomorrow. Like he's already got the van. Oh no, no, no. He could not do that. I've I've met his wife. I don't think that would fly. I'm pretty sh- I'm pretty sure that he would have to have his own minivan separate. <laughs> so he might is, have is to. Is that in is that in his marriage contract somewhere? I, I, maybe. I think we'd have to get him to get the magnifying glass out and see. Well, I think we've gone through a a full. I, I don't even know what the, the, you talk about a marathon. Like you you mentioned, get up and run a marathon. This like recent news section and all the breakaways and all the rabbit trails here feels like we've gone through a marathon of topics here, a little bit more scattered than what we normally do on the podcast because I usually have a little bit better outline, but it's been fun. Um, I wish you were caught up on the podcast so that I could ask you about last week's episode. And You can ask me. I'll just talk randomly about random things. Ask me. Well, ask me anything you well, want. Last week's, e- last week's episode centered around... A the com- Schaefer method, yes, right? yes, which would be limiting territory class cards being played, which we've already kind of talked about the the current state of the the meta earlier when we were talking about deck building, but limiting them to being played based on the number of rounds. So first round of the game, you get to play one. Second round, you get to play two, and then um, I saw today that Gabe had mentioned that you guys tried testing that out when you were testing out a longer delayed access to the reserve and it was just something that was hard to keep up with. So that's probably not a valid solution. So how hard, how hard when you guys were testing that was it to keep up with? Oh dude, I'm not going to lie to you. It was, it was tough. And like, I'm a pretty good player. I keep pretty good track of things, but it it's hard to keep track of, of rounds in that area and things like that. Um, and part of it was just, it's a change and it's different and things like that. I think players get used to it, but I think the point that maybe is slightly better than our testing of the reserve rule was Gabe's point about set asides. Uh, you look at old school gathering of angels, which is a four turn set aside. And I can tell you over the history and years of me playing the game that, yeah, players missed upkeep triggers and number of turns on gathering of angels all the time left and right all over the place. The other factor that I, I don't think is being necessarily considered is we're trying to make the game easy and accessible and new player friendly. And you can argue 
and I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you that, you know, the crazy state of the game right now isn't new player friendly. And, you know, perhaps having a rule about limiting the number of TC enhancements would make it new player friendly by limiting the, you know, complexity and interactions and all that kind of stuff. I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that, but it's the tracking aspect. So we had a mechanic for the new cards, the new set that we're developing, um, that uh, we thought was really cool. And then we looked at it and said, oh, but now we're we're requiring players to bring those. And so what it was, was we were looking at having 1-1 one, one counters and dice um, on just a whole slew of cards. And I'm, I'm not just talking one or two. I'm talking like an entire offensive theme was based around 1-1 one, one counters on characters. And we looked at it and we said, guys, we are now requiring every player that wants to play this offense to have dice and bring dice with them. And is that something that we really want to do with our new player friendliness um, direction and progress that we're trying to make? Um, And then there's just the aspect of you look at a type two game, which does have dice for, you know, experience credit and things like that. That gets messy quick. And we have a lot of cards that land on the table and the table space gets filled up. And then you have dice on all of them and you're pushing them out into battle. And what if a dice gets knocked over and type two players are the best of the best, the most experienced, and they sign up for that. And even they have problems with the dice. And so translating that back to the Schaefer initiative, how are you going to keep track of rounds without a dice? And are we now going to implement a rule that requires almost for guaranteed that you bring a die with you to every game of redemption that you play and how is that fair to players which already have a tough time sometimes with our community and the players that we tend to bring in with the accessibility of cards cost wise so i mean yeah dice are cheap for guys like you and me but are they cheap for little jimmy 10 year old jimmy and his mom who is living on you know a middle level salary and being a good christian and giving her 10 percent, which is sometimes tough like how is that fair yeah, I, I definitely get you there. And I do, especially now trying to start the play group. And even though we've, you know, haven't had a lot of success with that, we've had the the one player that has shown up and we've tried to get deeper with different uh, levels, you know, being in that contender deck realm. I could just, I could see if we flipped it over and we ramped it up and the, then you had all these counters because you've already got tokens that, Depending on how someone plays, especially playing against them, if they pull out, they could they could fill the board with fifteen tokens, and you have to keep up with those. And it's, it may be the first time you're seeing that. So then, if you added on one one counters and things like that, I, I could just see it being mentally overwhelming just looking at the board. So that's that's all valid points. And interrupt the podcast for another update. The 49ers are starting the second quarter now with the ball. It's seven to three, and they did not give up much ground to the offense for the Rams. So, looks like we have not been we have not been betrayed by Jimmy Garoppolo just yet. He's six of seven for seventy yards. I mean, he's having a heck of a first half here. I've seen him have first halves. He the problem <laughs> the problem with his first half is he usually has a second half, and usually the second half outweighs the the first half. 
Uh, it's kind of like the Packers game yesterday. Bailey Zappi had a first half, and then the fourth quarter in overtime happened, and it wasn't so pretty. Oh, man. Third and six here. We went one for ten on third down last week. Can we convert on third and six? Nope. Incomplete. Short right. Oh, man. You're ahead of me? I'm ahead of you. I don't know how. Are you watching this on TV? I'm watching I'm on my phone. I'm ESPN right now. Did you see how he threw that three yards short of the first down on the slant where he was immediately getting no, no, tackled? No. I just I just have the game cast up. That's all I have. I don't have a video right now. Oh. Uh, yeah. Well, he threw the ball three yards short on a play where he was his receiver was immediately going to get tackled. That's Jimmy Garoppolo for you. Let that there route develop and let him get past the line of uh, the line to gain. <sighs> so anyway, now that I've cleared back up back to redemption here, Oof, back to redemption. Um, I don't remember what we were talking about with redemption, but I'm sure it was very deep and poignant. It was just about the complexity of the game with the Schaefer solution. Oh, possibly. Yeah. So what I was going to say before I got the hiccups there was, do I think we need to do something about territory class cards and the speed and pace and consistency of the game? Yeah, absolutely. I think we need to do something. I just don't know that that is the exact right solution. Um, I'm kind of more with Gabe uh, in his post on the boards of, hey, maybe it needs to be a limit to the number of territory class cards you can play per turn. Um, and, and maybe the the limit four rule, maybe that didn't go far enough. You know, we picked four very strategically, and I think I came on the podcast and talked about it previously. Like, we picked that number strategically, but maybe we didn't pick the right number. Maybe the number needs to be one. Maybe you just can't trigger any ability more than once in a turn. And that means that you can't play Son of God, Second Coming, Son of God to win the game when you hit three souls. Your opponent gets the chance to do something, you know. Um, th- they get a turn. Maybe it means that Joshua only takes one good card a turn from the top deck. Maybe it means that in numerous nativity, I don't get to play Emmaus Road three times in a turn to go grab cards that I need from the deck as I just keep drawing it over and over. Maybe it means that my heavenly host only gets one token accumulated a turn instead of four to guarantee that my Star of Bethlehem goes off for six. Because that's what the deck does, right? It goes and finds heavenly host, plays it down, and then it plays numerous as the stars, go grabs, you know, even even two um, human nativity here at that point is enough. And then heavenly host plus the nativity heavenly host tokens that it generates plus the two humans so two humans heavenly host and then four heavenly host tokens right there is the max of six that you need for nativity like you can build this in a pretty small package with star bethlehem to hit that max six um maybe heavenly host only gets one you know and obviously these thoughts are mine and mine alone i haven't ran any of this past anybody in the elder team i'm literally just spitballing right now because we're talking about it but Maybe that's truly what it needs to be. Maybe four was just too high of a number. We picked it for type two purposes um, because there's four copies and because we wanted the Son of God, TSC Son of God interaction. But maybe the answer is one. Maybe things only trigger once a turn. And maybe you only get to play one territory class enhancement a turn. Um, Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it takes to slow down the consistency. And maybe then that does mean that other things are, you know, decks are balanced decks and variety of decks and things like that my concern with slowing down the game like that 
is we have given defenses so many good tools. And does that just completely push us in the completely opposite direction where the right deck to play is a defensive deck that can just stonewall you all day long and then do all of the sheep follow to that and then we just time out zero zero games all day long every day every time we play so i mean there are a lot of factors that you have to consider when you talk about balancing and where things are at that's why we tend to be conservative when it comes to our adjustments. And I know that's frustrating for some. Heck, sometimes it's frustrating for me. Sometimes I want to go further than we're willing to go. Sometimes I'm the one holding us back. You know, it just depends on what we're talking about, what the topic is. But I think we are conservative because we don't want to shove that pendulum too far swinging in the other direction where we then have to change it back. Because we know that constant rule changes make it hard for players to get into the game. We know that errata and bans can make it hard for players to get in the game. We want to do the thing sparingly. Unfortunately, we are only human and it is a very complex game. Um, and so it is challenging to make the right decisions and and sometimes we miss. Listening to you go through the limit of one activation per turn, I mean, honestly, from just hearing that first time giving it any thought, it seems really clean compared to everything else that's been suggested. And like the interaction of not being able to play son of God twice on a turn. Everyone talks about, uh, I know that you've seen the conversation come up that son of God is in, in the game. It's too powerful or whatever to where even some people, obviously it's never going to happen, but they're like ban son of God. Well, first of all, we don't need that, but if you're forced to kind of be strategic about when to do it to where you can't just go back to back in the same turn to win, you have to at least, you know, pass the turn or whatnot. I mean, that's, that seems, that seems something that's livable as a, as a drawback. Um, but then keeping all of the other interactions, just instead of having to count four, there's no feeling of that being arbitrary. Um, I think like with the Gabe's suggestion of just one territory class, enhancement per per turn or whatever i feel like that then well now can you only equip one weapon in territory per turn like them not playing similar even though they're kind of doing similar things i think just one activation might just clean all of that up so hmm, i i don't know but then then you talk about obviously the the drawback of pushing us too far to where we don't want a bunch of timeouts and defense heavy um so do you think, first of all, do you guys enjoy, do you guys enjoy the fact that the community's talking about it or does it just kind of feel like it's a never ending conversation? That's always like, you know, you just, you would, you would rather people just play the card, the cards that have come out and just give it a break for a while. Um, no, not at all. I think, uh, I think one of the great things about our community is how, passionate everyone is and how engaged they are. I think that uh, Jared is really, really good. Um, and I didn't listen to the podcast, like I said already, but I'm sure that if, that if I had listened to it, I would say exactly what I'm about to say um, and, and think this way. Jared in particular is really, really good about the way in which he brings his ideas and how respectful he is with it towards everything else. Um, and, th and that's just the key is 
there's a mutual respect that going on between the playtest team and the community at large. Um, and we understand that there are things in the game that we need to work on. And as long as the ideas are being proposed in a respectful manner and there's respectful conversation around it, then yeah, we love that. We love the ideas that it generates for the community. We love the ideas that it um, generates for us. Um, and we've seen a lot of times where we've taken ideas from the community, especially in like card design. We've taken a ton of cards from the community over the years. And that's one thing that I definitely think that the transition to Discord we lost some of is the card creation of the new card ideas. That used to be very vibrant on the boards. And it's just a little disappointing that that's kind of gone a little bit by the wayside. Uh, just shout out to, uh, to Raymond who just posts card ideas all day long. And I just think that's super cool, man. Um, I love seeing that stuff. Some of the cards are, are kind of crazy and kind of, you know, out there sometimes, some of them are really good. And sometimes those crazy out there ideas trigger something and give us a brilliant idea for something else to do. So like, I love seeing that. I wish more people did it. Um, but like, as long as it's respectful, we're all about that. Um, we love the passion that the community has and how engaged they are with the game i just think that's one of the aspects of redemption that is really cool and actually it's kind of ironic because it's where i was going to steer the conversation um when we had no outline was i was going to steer it towards community and how cool the community is and i was going to frame it with football because uh, i just wanted to have a football episode and uh i think the fantasy football league that you put together last minute is super cool it's generating a lot of discussion in wild world of sports even by players that aren't in the fantasy league with the players that we're playing with. So I know you're in the league and you're kind of off to a rough start. I am I'm, too. I'm barely my, in the league. <laughs> I thought my draft was rock solid. Like I drafted ninth in a 12 team league and thought that I came away with about as good a draft out of the ninth position as you can kind of hope for. Like I was really high on, on my team. And I think the draft report that we got was pretty high on it too. I think it said I was going to go like 14 and one and gave me an A plus grade or something like that. So, and then I started the season off uh, with a huge loss, bounced back for a decent win and then lost huge again the next week. So like, I don't know, man, it's fantasy football. But uh, I just think the league's super cool. I think the engagement of the players and the fact that of the 12 people in the league, I know all 12 people, but like I don't hang out with these guys on a regular basis. And most of the time in fantasy football leagues, these are all people that you like are in the same city as you, same church, you know, same workplace, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I just think that's an element of the redemption community that is like unparalleled in anything that I've seen is how connected we are and how engaged we are and how much it is just one big family. I just think that's so cool. Yeah. I feel like everything that I've done since coming into the game has been trying to push that interaction a little bit, you know, with obviously the podcast here and bringing on various guests from the community or whatnot, trying to keep it, keep it fresh not have, you know, the same person every week, but also, you know, with, you know, pushing for plus one initiative to grow the game interaction there, the fantasy football league, but also the Christmas card swap that we we've done for the last two years. And I mean, if there's enough interest, I guess we would, we would keep it going this year. You know, I probably, well, I just up. figured that was your announcement for it. Christmas card swap. Let's go. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, if, if someone wants me to make them a custom card like I did for Tyler last year, man, I really wish I had known that Gabe was getting foil cards printed. Could you imagine how sick it would have been to have oh. Tyler a Christmas card, a custom oh, card of him that was in so foil? cool. Oh, man. So cool. So let me ask you this. Let me, let me, let me just, just throw you one more idea about a way to, to slow the game down, and you just tell me if it's complete madness or if it's got some validity to it. I'm ready. Weapon class has an icon for the weapon that you play on the weapon hero, so you match the icon. What if you were able to teach new players the game? You can play this territory class enhancement outside of battle if you match the icon on a territory class character of matching brigade. So your Jonah could play numerous as the stars, but now you can't just throw meet Noah down or Noah down and say, Ooh, I'm going to play numerous as the stars because he's not territory class. And now you're not splashing him to set up a ton of combo ish things just because he has all the brigades. And St. Patrick is cool as a meat guy, and he has those brigades, and he's a star, but you're not just throwing him down for those three brigades and getting to play territory class stuff uh, on him. Yeah, but, like, do you really want us to do your boy Noah dirty like that? Uh, I mean, Noah would still find a way to be played. I mean, he's still shuffling dominance. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I think that'll last for a real long time. Hashtag sarcasm. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm no fool. Why do you think I haven't really invested in building the deck? <laughs> you guys don't want Noah uh, to have anything except for his flooded flood survivor deck. Exactly. Yeah, we we're haters on on Noah. Not a fan. Um that's very intriguing and interesting and uh off the top of my head I kind of like it cuz we have a good number of territory class characters. Uh, scattered across each brigade now um, to where that wouldn't, you know, be like, hey, you can never play this card again because there isn't a character to play it. Now, I will say, I feel like some of the clay dudes, maybe like the clay dudes aren't amazing territory class. They have territory class heroes, but like, like we're talking but, like. But the ability uh, doesn't have to be strong because they're enabling you to play right. the enhancements. That's part of their ability and appeal as a character in your hero lineup. And obviously, you also then would have to have a matching one on the uh, evil side if you're playing like wages. Right. You'd have to have a territory yeah. class. So you don't just get to throw these really strong blockers down. You're going to have to actually build a defense that's got somebody that can play wages if you want to do that. Yeah, that's interesting. I kind of like I, that. I just thought it would be super easy for me to teach a new player. You match this icon for the weapon. You see how it completes the little weapon icon? Cool. Okay, well, now you take the 10 icon for territory class, match it on a character. Now, as long as the brigades match as well, you can play that card. Gotcha. But then does that mean that I can only play cloud enhancements on cloud heroes? I wouldn't think that that would matter. Yeah, but but then how do you teach that? So so you're saying, hey, these two symbols matter, but this one, I it don't matter. You know what I mean? Like, so I mean, you yeah. Say, hey, you 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 can only play Faith of Samuel on Gideon and Noah and all these other dudes, you know. But you're also searching those by that as like a pseudo identifier, a cloud icon card. There's not many things that say search for a territory class card. Sure, but there are a number of things that say weapon or warrior more specifically. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. It's, it's different, but it is kind of the same too. It also doesn't um, change necessarily the way the game's played, just kind of how it's played, but everything about the way it's played is still the same, just who you're playing what on. Right. Um, I don't know. I came up with it like 10 minutes before we started recording. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's cool. Um, I just did a quick search in Lackey. My filters are legality contains rotation and special ability contains territory class. And it looks like there are five or six cards that reference territory class specifically um, by word here. So you got flying scroll, which you may banish this card to take a multi-brigade or territory class character. You got false leaders, which lets you play an evil territory class enhancement from reserve or discard pile. If that player has hand advantage, um, you've got beast of the earth, which discards a ter- territory class character. Uh, you've got the tartan, which captures one. Uh, you've got Peleg, which negates evil territory class cards. And then you've got Joshua the Conqueror that underdecks them. So there's a few cards that reference territory class in the special ability. Um, so so I don't know. I feel like they're more similar than, than dissimilar. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I'm not trying to throw a fly in the ointment by any means. I do think it's a cool idea that has some merit and is worth discussing. You play cloud on cloud. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Although that probably I, I wouldn't mean, work because of all of the uh, the shared clay, but then I don't know how many clay cards are cloud, like heroes. Yeah, I mean, it, it basically means that you don't play, at least in my mind, looking at it, you know, literally talking about it, never thought about it before in this moment. I think it kind of means that you don't see a ton of cloud enhancements outside of like cloud, you know, cloud of witnesses construction or like, you know, a block constructed with, you know, those like that and revelation or something like that. Like, I think it, I think it really almost, and frankly, it's kind of crazy to me how the game has progressed and changed because like you don't see a whole ton of cloud enhancements floating around anymore like when you do it's just kind of like by random happenstance like nobody's building decks like around them because there's just better things to do right Um, but it's just crazy to me that like that set now is like almost eight years old like that's crazy to me to think about that like how old that set is um when i think about the fact that um in my mind, you look at distribution and where the game was heading and yeah, we still had a couple down years, but like cloud of witnesses and more specifically like cloud of witness alternate borders, like pretty much kind of saved redemption in my mind from where we were at the time and, and where cards were, you know, early church and persecuted church were not great sets from, you know, our standpoint and our perception of them, um, hours being, you know, leadership and elders and whatnot. Um, but cloud of witnesses, we like pulled out all the stops for that thing. Um, and it was an awesome set. And now I think about the fact that like, I mean, that was a long time ago. Yeah. But part of it, not getting as much play and whatnot. And in such a short amount of time is the fact that like the reserve came out the, what the next set Right. Yeah. Cloud is cloud is the set prior to reserve. Um, you're absolutely right on that. So the fact that none of those cards have reserve access baked in uh, is challenging. Yeah. 
especially now when your consistency is being built into your deck because of the reserve rule and you're putting your battle winner. So like your cloud card battle winner. So you have faith that can go and go and fetch it or whatnot. But like, yeah, I, th- I think that that probably leads to the limitations of like its viability across the, the meta game. Yeah. Definitely interesting to think about though. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoy the conversations because I guess it it feels it feels better to know that other people are acknowledging that some of the things that like I personally think and again it being shaped by getting my head bashed in by Jeremy the last two years not to not to keep you know acting like he's the bad guy because he built it but everything he built was within the rules at a certain point it just feels like maybe some of that shit in the you know extravagant nature of putting all that into one deck maybe there should be something that limits that being a legal thing. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at with that whole conversation is like, I just don't think that there should be that big of a a gap between someone sitting down with a deck that they're competitive at their local scene with and going to nationals and sitting down and playing somebody like Jeremy playing that. I don't know what you're talking about because Jeremy's in your local scene. So how's that any different for you? Well, for me, but I'm talking about other people. So if you're, you don't have a Jeremy in your play group and then you go to nationals and you're, Oh, so this is what the competitive game actually is. Like people that didn't make nationals that watched it on live stream, how they might've felt seeing just the board, just get completely, you know, loaded up on one side on the first turn of the game to where then the other person basically sat there and, was reactionary and never was able to flip the momentum. Yeah, no, I'm just messing with you. I just, I just like giving you grief because you got to deal with Jeremy. Oh uh, yeah. You know, it's too bad that Jay moved away. The chambers, I probably could have got to where I could beat consistently. Shots fired. Shots fired. Wow, you hearing this, Jay? So it's all right, Jay. We still love you. I think. I think we had a, a a pretty solid helping of little smaller topics and tidbits. There's some exciting news on the horizon, you know, since you got in your bag and brought us some some goodies there. We gave away a box to Mr. Brian Jones. So, congratulations to him. I think all this all this podcast episode needs is a little bit of a wrap up. So, a little bit of a wrap up. Well, let's talk about how Jimmy G just scrambled for like three yards. I thought I said 36 at first, and I was going to be like, look at your boy go, but then I it was only three. <laughs> and now so it's, thir- it's uh, third and two, so before we wrap up the podcast here, let's see if he can get a first down. Yeah, we're going to... Guys, this is what my life has here. become. Hinging my, my life on uh, someone from Illinois that is playing quarterback and just stealing money from my team. Oh, he scrambles for the first down. <laughs> hey, there you go. Jimmy G, getting it's, it done. It's Trey Lance after all. <laughs> Jimmy G doing his best Trey Lance impersonation. All right. Well, it's been great chatting with you, John. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, hey, we're getting up on one year in like real lifetime here. You're on episode 45, so yep. seven to go till that, till that 52 anniversary episode, but Timeline wise, it's what two weeks here. It is October twentieth. Last year was the exact day that we posted the first episode. So, coming up on almost a, a full year calendar uh, on the calendar, 
And then episode-wise, you know, what, seven away now? That's just because of the, the few breaks that we've taken, the few hiatuses. But hey. Yeah. But I mean, Nationals is understandable, and, you know, sometimes real life and true, sometimes you got to rebuild a fence. Like, things happen. Yeah. But as long as the podcast comes back, you know, after those those brief breaks. Isn't that right, Yeah, John? I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the thing, like... You know, me and Jay got to get on and, and record another episode of Thoughts from Portland so that, you know, we can come back after our 37-week hiatus there. Yeah. Trying to give Mr. Hiatus yeah. a run for his money on the name. Oh, we are. We are <laughs> definitely for sure. We're, uh, we have talked about doing like a, a final episode to give it a more proper send-off. But a lot of kind of what we've talked about is, um, you know, talked about doing an episode on is, things that you and I kind of talked about a little bit tonight, just the community of redemption and, and why I'm still a part of it 24 years later. Um, why Jay is still a part of it. Jay's been around for 15, 16, 17 years now, you know, why I hope players like you will be around for the next 10, 15, 20 years. Why I hope players like Jared, um, will be around for the next 10, 15, 20 years. You know, it's, it's the community and it's, it's everything that makes redemption what it is and how it's unique. Um, Cause like I've played other games. I played magic twice where I played pretty hardcore for like a year or two Debo, years. Debo. Sorry. And then I went Debo. Touchdown Debo. Debo. He caught Touchdown a terrible pass Debo. from, he caught a terrible pass for a first down about like five yards downfield, broke a bunch of tackles, changed his direction, went across the other side of the field, 57 yards later, touchdown. See, this is what you guys get when, me and John start talking football. I'm giving out this like real heartfelt, like final wrap up calling out how awesome community is. And this is interrupted by Debo, man. Well, I can't think of any better place to wrap it up than there. Thanks so much for having me, John. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll catch you next week. Peace. All right, guys, that's going to do it for episode number 45 of the Threshing Floor Podcast. I want to thank John for coming on. I want to thank you guys for listening. Hey, I gave you fair warning. It was all over the place. The 49ers were playing while we were recording, and we had no outline. So, like I said, a couple bros hanging out. But glad you uh, stuck around, if you stuck around this far. Thank you, as always, for listening each week and helping the podcast be what it is. And we'll talk to you on next week's episode. Peace.